Hi folks, Ken here. We had a minor medical emergency this past week, nothing to worry about, everyone is fine, but it did prevent progress recording. So instead, we have the second chapter of the Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire. You may remember chapter one from last October. Since then, we've been reading aloud a chapter a week over on our Patreon. And today, we released chapter two from the Patreon vaults. We hope to be back next week with a regular Antiques Freaks episode. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy! Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And welcome to our very special bonus episode of Antiques Freaks, where we will be reading Chapter 2 of Varney the Vampire, or the Feast of Blood. It's a very spookshul episode. A mid-19th century penny dreadful, which is a story written and released one chapter per week for as many weeks as you can drag it out, paid for by the word. As it turns out, you can drag it out for a while. We'll see just how far it can be dragged out tonight. Stay with us, won't you? Chapter 2. The Alarm, the Pistol Shot, the Pursuit, and its Consequences. Already feeling that by the word. Lights flashed about the building, and various room doors opened. Voices called one to the other. There was an universal stir and commotion among the inhabitants. Did you hear a scream, Harry? asked a young man, half-dressed as he walked into the chamber of another about his own age. I did. Where was it? God knows. I dressed myself directly. All is still now. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) Yes, but unless I was dreaming, there was a scream. We could not both dream there was. Where do you think it came from? It burst so suddenly upon my ears that I cannot say. There was a tap now at the door of the room where these young men were, and a female voice said, For God's sake, get up. We are up, said both the young men, appearing. (laughs) What? Appearing? They faded into view. It's just... (laughs) The rapid fire, dialogue tag free, zero introduction, no name, two heads talking in a void. Yeah. Of this chapter. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's spooky, right? It's supposed to be. Did you hear anything? Yes, a scream. Oh, search the house. Was there a scream? Did you hear a scream? I thought I heard a scream. Yes, it was a scream. It must have been a scream. I can't imagine it was something other than a scream. A scream. Did you hear it? Was it a scream that you heard? Did you hear the scream? I heard the scream. It sounded like a scream. But was it a scream? Mm. Did we both hear the same scream? <laughs> God. By the word, people. Oh, search the house, search the house. Where did it come from? Can you tell? Indeed we cannot, mother. Are they still talking as one? <laughs> so it seems. <laughs> Creepy. Another person now joined the party. Oh, great. Just like my favorite JRPG. Because <laughs> we didn't have enough talking heads. He was a man of middle age, and as he came up to them, he said, Good God, what is the matter? Scarcely had the words passed his lips than such a rapid succession of shrieks came upon their ears that they felt absolutely stunned by them. The elderly lady, whom one of the young men had called mother- Yeah, and I was there. You remember, audience? Five seconds ago? (laughs) I was there for that. Holding the book. (laughs) The elderly lady, whom one of the young men had called mother, fainted and would have fallen to the floor of the corridor in which they all stood had she not been promptly supported by the last comer, who himself staggered as those piercing cries came upon the night air. Oh good, another one. He, however, was the first to recover, for the young men seemed paralyzed. Henry, he cried, for God's sake support your mother. Can you doubt that these cries came from Flora's room? Yes, I I could. The question is that, Dad. Now, we have no confirmation yet that he's anybody's father. He's someone's father. He is just a middle-aged man in this hallway supporting someone else's mother. <laughs> he's just in his house. 
Although I am very glad that we finally have some names. We know that Henry is here and also Flora. Henry has to be one of these people. One of these people is Henry. Alright, cool. I'm gonna call them all Henry until we get more names. The young man mechanically supported his mother, and then the man who had just spoken darted back to his own bedroom from whence he returned in a moment with a pair of pistols. Dual wielding! And shouting, follow me who can! He bounded across the corridor in the direction of the antique apartment from whence the cries proceeded, but which were now hushed. (laughs) If you can, what kind of nice challenge. That house was built for strength and the doors were all of oak and of considerable thickness. And that's just what it'll do. Unhappily, they had fastenings within, so that when the man reached the chamber of her who so much required help, he was helpless, for the door was fast. Someone felt really clever for that dumb little sentence. It's just, what happens in your brain that makes you construct the sentence, the chamber of her who required, nope, not even, the chamber of her who so much required help. I guess because you want to make people's brain hurt, trying to parse an unnecessarily convoluted sentence. Flora, Flora, he cried. Flora, speak. All was still. Good God, he added, we must force the door. I hear a strange noise within, said the young man who trembled violently. And so do I. What does it sound like? I scarcely know. (laughs) I hear it, but I want to know what you hear. I scarcely know, but it nearest resembles some animal eating or sucking some liquid. She's just got like a big Capri Sun in there. What on earth can it be? Have you no weapon that will force the door? I shall go mad if I am kept here. (laughs) What emotion. I have, said the young man. Wait here a moment. He ran down the staircase and presently returned with a small but powerful iron crowbar. This will do, he said. It will, it will. Give it to me. Has she not spoken? Not a word. My mind misgives me that something very dreadful must have happened to her. My mind misgives me. Yeah, try to fucking unravel that one. And that odd noise still goes on. Somehow it curdles the very blood in my veins to hear it. (laughs) Finishing up the Capri Sun. (laughs) The man took the crowbar and with some difficulty succeeding in introducing it between the door and the side of the wall, yeah, yeah. Introduce it between the door and the side of the wall, huh? Still it required great strength to move it, but it did move with a harsh cracking sound. Push it, cried he who was using the bar. Push the door at the same time. Push it real good. <laughs> <laughs> he who was using the bar. It's good to know, like, uh, I would take a fanfiction that said, like, the blue-orbed man or something. The taller man, the shorter man. The brunette. I would take that in a heartbeat over he who was using the crowbar. The blonde. The raven-haired man. Just anything. Anything. He who was using the bar. At this point, I would take the crowbar man. The younger man did so. I I don't know which one that is. (laughs) Fuck you. There is a middle-aged man and a young man. The middle-aged man is he who is using the bar. <laughs> he is you okay, I'm sorry, he is- alright. We need a chart. We need, like, one of those, like, how to track fucking initiative, like, charts. Oh, we need- we need everyone to roll for initiative? Yeah, roll for initiative. I, uh, okay, he who is moving the crow- wheeling the crowbar. Uh, you have, uh, five feet of movement. <laughs> Talking is a free action, and boy howdy are they making full use of it. <laughs> the younger man did so. 
For a few moments, the massive door resisted. Then, suddenly, something gave way with a loud snap. It was a part of the lock. Something gave way. A, a part of the lock, by the way. Just tell me what part snapped. And the door at once swung wide open. How true it is that we measure time by the events which happen within a given space of it, rather than by its actual duration. How am- uh, what- it's so true. Except, given we've just rolled for initiative, we now know that a round takes place in six seconds. I think these people are taking way longer than six seconds to get done whatever's happening. To those who were engaged in forcing open the door of the antique chamber, where slept the young girl whom they named Flora, each moment was swelled into an hour of agony. But in reality, from the first moment of the alarm, to that when the loud cracking noise heralded the destruction of the fastenings of the door, there had elapsed but very few minutes indeed. Having read all of the dialogue that occurred during those very few minutes, I can assure you, it was very many minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been here a while, my man. They named Flora. What? It opens, it opens, cried the young man. Thanks. Another moment, said the stranger, as he still plied the crowbar. The stranger? Wait. Wait. They don't even know him? Why is he in this house if he's a stranger? It's the middle of the night. Wait, okay, alright, like, so the writing now has implied that not only does the audience not know him, the characters don't know him, and I don't think the writer does either. Another moment, and we shall have free ingress to the chamber. Be patient. That's how normal people talk. You know how when you're just, like, casually conversing with your friends? Yeah, and you're talking about, like, the the ingress to the uh, chamber? Yeah, yeah you're, you're holding the door open for them, and you're like, another moment, and you will have free ingress to the chamber. Yeah, and I see jolly good, I require ingress to the chamber. Who is the stranger who's crowbarred up in my door? This stranger's name was Marchdale, and even as he spoke, he succeeded in throwing the massive door wide open and clearing the passage to the chamber. To rush in with a light in his hand was the work of a moment to the young man named Henry, but the very rapid progress he made into the apartment prevented him from observing accurately what it contained for the wind that came in from the open window caught the flame of the candle, and although it did not actually extinguish it, it blew it so much on one side that it was comparatively useless as a light. You can just say the candle guttered. We have a word for that. Yeah, it's a really good word. I like it. It's, uh, succinct, one might say. Flora, Flora, he cried. Then, with a sudden bound, something dashed from off the bed. The concussion against him was so sudden and so utterly unexpected as well as so tremendously violent that he was thrown down, and in his fall, the light was fairly extinguished. Great. <laughs> that was about the right amount of words to convey that. Was it? All was darkness, save a dull, reddish kind of light that now and then, from the nearly consumed mill in the immediate vicinity, came into the room. What? I'm sorry? Remember in the last chapter, the storm, uh, lightning struck the mill and it caught fire and it was made everything spooky. Oh, okay. That's right, it's very scary. I forgot. The author had to burn a mill down to get the lighting he wanted for a scene. <laughs> in an era <laughs> in an era before electric lights, if you want mood lighting, you do have to set a mill on fire. <laughs> you have to set please you have to set an entire factory on fire, actually. Listen, we all suffer for art. Someone else's art, even. <laughs> But by that light, dim, uncertain, and flickering as it was, someone was seen to make for the window. Henry, although nearly stunned by his fall, saw a figure, gigantic in height, which nearly reached from the floor to the ceiling. The other young man, George, saw it, and Mr. Marchdale likewise saw it, as did the lady who had spoken to the two young men in the corridor when the- <laughs> You mean the woman we've established three times as the mother? 
as did the lady who had spoken to the two young men in the corridor when the first the screams of the young girl awakened alarm in the breasts of all the inhabitants of that house. Fan-fucking-tastic. As did who, who the lady is Mr. Marchdale? who had spoken to the two young men in the corridor when first the screams of the young girl awakened alarm in the breasts of all the inhabitants of that house. Twenty-five words. 25 words. Oh my god. The figure was about to pass out at the window, which led to a kind of balcony, from whence there was an easy descent to a garden. Oh, I thought it was like the figure was going to faint at the window. Pass out means leave a room or building. (laughs) Before it passed out, they each and all caught a glance of the side face. You can say profile. No, it's the side of the face. The side face. Side hyphen face. Side face, yeah. Side boob, side face. And they saw that the lower part of it and the lips were drabbled in blood. They saw, too, one of those fearful-looking, shining, metallic eyes which presented so terrible an appearance of unearthly ferocity. No wonder that for a moment a panic seized them all, which paralyzed any exertions they might otherwise have made to detain that hideous form. Am I being detained? Oh, God. You trying to you trying to make fucking sense of this next sentence, huh? Oh boy. I'm not sure that's the that's the order the words are supposed to go in. But Mr. Marchdale was a man of mature years. He had seen much of life, both in this and in foreign lands, and he, although astonished to the extent of being frightened, was much more likely to recover sooner than his younger companions, which indeed he did and acted promptly enough. Fantastic. Don't rise, Henry, he cried. Lie still. Almost at the moment he uttered these words, he fired at the figure, which then occupied the window, as if it were a gigantic figure set in a frame. Oh, is that what a window looks like? The report was tremendous in that chamber, for the pistol was no toy weapon, but one made for actual service, and of sufficient length and bore of barrel to carry destruction along with the bullets that came from it. Don't worry, audience. You thought this was a cat pistol? No, it's a real gun. This, did you think this stranger had brought a toy gun in for some reason? No, this is a real gun that has a barrel and a trigger, and it's got bullets inside of it, which you can fire from the pistol, because it's not a toy. If that has missed its aim, said Mr. Marchdale, I'll never pull a trigger again. Get ready to never shoot again, jackass. As he spoke, he dashed forward and made a clutch at the figure he felt convinced he had shot. The tall form turned upon him, and when he got a full view of the face, which he did at that moment... From the opportune circumstance of the lady returning at the instant with a light she had been to her own chamber to procure, even he, Marchdale, with all his courage, and that was great, and all his nervous energy, recoiled a step or two and uttered the exclamation of, Great God. Amazing. One sentence. Cool. Just a normal way to talk. I like the idea that this lady ran away. Like, she saw a monster and she went, I I gotta see this better, and went and got a light. (laughs) That face was one never to be forgotten. It was hideously flushed with color, the color of fresh blood. The eyes had a savage and remarkable luster. Whereas before they had looked like polished tin, they now wore a ten times brighter aspect, and flashes of light seemed to dart from them. The mouth was open, as if, from the natural formation of the countenance, the lips receded much from the large canine-looking teeth. Yeah, here it is, the vampire... A strange howling noise came from the throat of this monstrous figure, and it seemed upon the point of rushing upon Mr. Marchdale. Suddenly, then, as if some impulse had seized upon it, 
It uttered a wild and terrible shrieking kind of laugh, and then turning, dashed through the window, and in one instant disappeared from before the eyes of those who felt nearly annihilated by its fearful presence. <laughs> Annihil- that's a strong term. God help us, ejaculated Henry. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Marchdale drew a long breath and then, giving a stamp on the floor as if to recover himself from the state of agitation into which even he was thrown, he cried, Be it what or who it may, I'll follow it. No, no, do not, cried the lady. I must, I will, let who will come with me, I'll follow that dreadful form. As he spoke, he took the road it took and dashed through the window into the balcony. <laughs> Sometimes the little moments are really cracking me up with he took the road it took instead of he followed it. Like, I am also loving him stamping on the floor like a disappointed toddler. <laughs> I'm going to go get it. It's mine. And we too, George, exclaimed Henry. We will follow Mr. Marchdale. This dreadful affair concerns us more nearly than it does him. The lady who was the mother of these young men, and of the beautiful girl who had been so awfully visited, screamed aloud and implored of them to stay. But the voice of Mr. Marchdale was heard exclaiming aloud, I see it, I see it, it makes for the wall. They hesitated no longer, but at once rushed into the balcony and from thence dropped into the garden. The mother approached the bedside of the insensible, perhaps the murdered girl. Perhaps the murdered. She saw her, to all appearance, weltering in blood, and, overcome by her emotions, she fainted on the floor of the room. Should we have a faint counter? This is the second time I think she's fainted? Yeah. She needs to get her blood pressure checked. She got low iron. Low blood sugar rating? Yeah, maybe. When the two young men reached the garden, they found it much lighter than it might have been fairly expected. For not only was the morning rapidly approaching, but the mill was still burning and those mingled lights made almost every object plainly visible, except when deep shadows were thrown from some gigantic trees that had stood for centuries in that sweetly wooded spot. They heard the voice of Mr. Marchdale as he cried, There, there, towards the wall, there, there, God, how it bounds along. <laughs> from the window to the wall, there, there, how it bounds along. <laughs> the young men hastily dashed through a thicket in the direction from whence his voice sounded. And then they found him looking wild and terrified with something in his hand which looked like a portion of clothing. <laughs> Rip my fucking pants. Which way? Which way? They both cried in a breath. He leaned heavily on the arm of George as he pointed along a vista of trees and said in a low voice, God help us all. It is not human. Look there. Look there. Do you not see it? They looked in the direction he indicated. At the end of this vista was the wall of the garden. At that point, it was full twelve feet in height, and as they looked, they saw the hideous, monstrous form they had traced from the chamber of their sister, making frantic efforts to clear the obstacle. Oh god, sorry, I just saw the next paragraph. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to lose it, I just read ahead a little bit. <laughs> then they saw it bound from the ground to the top of the wall, which it very nearly reached. <laughs> And then each time it fell back again into the garden with such a dull, heavy sound that the earth seemed to shake again with the concussion. <laughs> okay, loser can't jump over the wall. They trembled, well indeed they might, and for some minutes they watched the figure making its fruitless efforts to leave the place. <laughs> Dumb shit. Dumb shit, can't, can't jump the wall. It keeps falling. It's three dudes shitting their pants in a garden, watching a guy jump up in a wall, fall down, get up, jump up and hit the wall again, and it falls out. 
like a fruit fly in a bell jar. Like, wow. Like a fucking jack in the box. <laughs> like, have you ever seen a spider try to climb out of a tub? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Just like those those gifts of cats trying to get in the cabinet. Like, <laughs> except it's like a fucking eight foot tall vampire. What? What is it? Whispered Henry in hoarse accents. Goofy as fuck. <laughs> God, what can it possibly be? I know not, replied Mr. Marchdale. I did seize it. It was cold and clammy like a corpse. It cannot be human. He's just sweaty. Leave him alone. Yeah, like, he's a sweaty man with poor circulation who can't jump over a wall. He seems pretty human. He can't get out. <laughs> not human? Look at it now. It will surely escape now. No, no, we will not be terrified thus. There is heaven above us. Come on, and for dear Flora's sake, let us make an effort yet to seize this bold intruder. Take this pistol, said Marchdale. It is the fellow of the one I fired. Try its efficacy. Why did you bring two? Because you don't have the, um, they're not like six shooters. They're single shot. Oh, well, yeah. He will be gone, exclaimed Henry. As at this moment, after many repeated <laughs> attempts and fearful falls, the figure reached the top of the wall and then hung by its long arms a moment or two previous to dragging itself completely up. I'm loving his comedy routine. They are quaking in their boots at this. <laughs> it's scrabbling like a little sewer rat trying to climb a ladder. It's like the kid in the hang in there poster. Hang in there, Varney. The idea of the appearance, be what it might, entirely escaping, seemed to nerve again Mr. Marchdale, and he, as well as the two young men, ran forward towards the wall. They got so close to the figure before it sprang down on the outer side of the wall that to miss killing it with the bullet from the pistol was a matter of utter impossibility, unless willfully. Mm -mm. Henry had the weapon and he pointed it full at the tall form with steady aim. He pulled the trigger, the explosion followed, and that the bullet did its office there could be no manner of doubt, for the figure gave a howling shriek and fell headlong from the wall on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> after all that, after all that, they knocked him over like a weeble wobble. I have shot him, cried Henry. I have shot him. Congrats, Henry. Thus ends chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a what a roller coaster! The wall popping, just what, what? <laughs> He's not making it. He's not making it. And then just like, oh fuck, we gotta shoot him. <laughs> it's like that one jump in Super Mario that you can't quite make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like try to try to get through one of those like invisible levels and crash a Bandicoot. <laughs> so D, what do you think of Varney thus far? <laughs> I think he's a goofy bastard. <laughs> I love. I mean, like, I'm fully on his side now. After watching him desperately try to escape like a caterpillar in a Tupperware. We do love an underdog. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like all the different epithets to describe the mother. <laughs> Although, I gotta say, my favorite is he who wielded the crowbar. <laughs> he who wielded the crowbar. It rolls off the tongue. You know, I, when I read Varney the Vampire, I, the thing that comes to mind is economy of language. 
Oh, man. Well, thank you all for joining us for this very special presentation <laughs> of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Tune in next time for Chapter 3. And see what becomes of the desperate little vampire who just got shot off a wall. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! If you'd like to recommend an episode topic or just say hello, you can contact us at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com or through our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to get yourself some fine vintage goods or some merch with the podcast logo on it, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks. And if you would like to listen to bonus content such as deleted scenes or our chapter-by-chapter reading of the Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout-out to our current patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!